It's only when you're out at sea that you realise how many stars are in the sky. You feel so small, almost as if whatever you do doesn't really matter at all. The sounds from Porthcawl almost seem like they're intruding on the night. I'm so glad to leave them behind. I never thought I would be. Wow, we're here at last. Kentvig Pool. What a gorgeous stillwater pool, stretching into the distance like a fallen mirror. I can see the lights of the works at Quatalbert, but it feels like another world here. So quiet. And still. I love places like this. Full of history and soul. Stories that go back centuries. Even the water feels different here. They always make a different sound as they splash in and out. Let me just put my hand in the water and let it wash over me. Gosh, it's cold. Almost like the sun never finds it. Even in the dark I could see the long reeds swirling up from the deep to reach the air and brush against my hand. It's amazing that a place like this has such a serenity about it. What's the matter? Are you okay? I grabbed my arm. Something grabbed my arm. Oh, it's, oh something cold to the grave. It wouldn't let go. Oh, I feel like it would pull me under. Then it suddenly vanished. Oh, it's... It's put something around my wrist. Some kind of bracelet or bangle. It's made of shells and full of moss. Look! But there must have been something somebody's just dropped in the lake or something. I mean, it could... Like a kid dropped or... Wow, it, it looks really old, though. Yeah. <laughs> Are you okay? I, I don't... I don't know if it's the shock. I'm not... I don't feel too good. All right. Oh, God, no. No, I don't feel good at all. Okay, all right. Let's go up to the house. Scare house is just up there. I know. <laughs> Scare house, yeah, but... We can stay just outside. You can lay down for a bit. We'll make sure that the sun's up before we get going again. If that's all right. Okay, you'll have to help me there. We, we can't go in the grounds, though. There's too many bad stories. You're going to have to help me there. I, I, can't, I can't walk. You'll be fine. Look, come. Give me your arm. Come this way. All right. Scare House Described by the writer R.D. Blackmore As follows This always was, and always must be, a very sad and lonesome place Close to a desolate wasteland of sands and the continual roaring of the sea upon black rocks It's easy to see why the landscape around here would inspire ghostly tales the house for a long time was largely tumbled down and in decay, and sounds of creaking and groaning in the wind filled the air around it. 
a great grey house with many chimneys, many gables, and many windows, but unable to look at on any neighbours. Its vast rooms have often been the last resting place for sailors, drowned after ships struck the nearby rocks, or killed over on the frightening shifting sand known as the scare weathers. Probably one of the most famous Welsh love tragedies took place here. And thus follows the tale of the Maid of Scare House. Elizabeth Williams was tall, beautiful and loved to dance. All the young people of the area looked forward to the festivities of Gwilf Mabsant, the annual local festival of Mary Magdalene. These would take place in the Town Hall, which is now the Prince of Wales Inn, when the harpist would play from dusk until dawn. One year, the harpist that was hired was Thomas Evans of Newton Nottage, and when he saw Elizabeth dancing, his heart filled with joy, as did Elizabeth when she saw the handsome young harpist. The two fell deeply in love, much to the worry of her father, Isaac Williams was a gentleman farmer who did not think much of the carpenter who had won his daughter's heart. One night, Thomas hired a carriage and drove to Scare House with the intent on eloping with Elizabeth. But his approach to the manor was heard, and upon seeing what almost came to pass, Isaac locked his daughter in her room. She was not allowed to leave, and the days stretched before her in loneliness and despair. Her heart grieved and pined for Thomas. Eventually, her father forced her to marry a Mr Kirkhouse from Neath, and thus followed an unhappy marriage full of resentment and friction. Elizabeth could not forget the handsome harpist and sought him out wherever he played nearby. After nine years, she died of a broken heart. It is said you can still see the maid looking out of her bedroom window, the sound of chains accompanying her appearance. She's not the only ghost to haunt this place, for a monk who, after a falling out with his brethren at Neath Abbey, met an untimely end and walks the grounds groaning and wailing. This place, this stretch of haunting hinterland, has many strange tales, and not just ghosts. It is said that every Christmas morning before the sun rises, a stone visits Scare Beach to drink from the water's edge. Any who happen to witness it will meet a terrible fate. It is also said that the Grachy Ribbon, the Hag of the Mists, wanders across the sand dunes between Kentvig Pool and Scare. All fear hearing her terrible cry as it forewarns of a death, much like the Irish Banshee. Another supernatural phenomenon reported at Scare House are shadow people. These are different to ghosts. Often glimpsed in one's peripheral vision, these entities resemble dark, human shadows. Though many think they are tricks of the light, some think they are something else. was that? Church bells? Church bells ringing in the night. 
Surely that can't be something. Bethan. Oh, she's asleep. She was exhausted. I'd better leave. There it is again. Listen. That can't be. Surely it can't be. You know what they say? The village of Kenfig was drowned under the waves and the sand. And on nights like this, when the wind is high and the tide is low, the church bells can be heard ringing through the night. The Herith is down there. Who knows what will happen to it? I'll make my way down. I won't wake her. I'll be back before she wakes, before the dawn, before the time between times. I can't. She'll be fine. I don't want her waking up alone here at Scare House. Look, I'll go as quick as I can. sand and the dunes like every step is a mile. But there, I can see the water. It's like a dark mirror laying on its side, reflecting every star in the sky. It is a thing of beauty and dread. I must tell you the tale of what happened here long ago. The church bells are silent now. Here I am, at the side of the water. You can just feel it. Put my hand in, it's so cold. I can't see anything, but they say that when the water is as low as this, the roofs of the houses peek out. It all happened a long, long time ago. It is a tale about a fisherman called Thuinogamor, the fox of the sea. Every day he would drag his boat out to sea. He would sail on the waves tossing up and down until the sun started to set and he would return to the beach with his catch to sell it to the people of Kenfig so he could eat another day. One day he noticed a fair maid who would come down and bathe her feet in the tide. Her name was Morvith, and she was the daughter of the Lord of Kenfig, Robin Corn. Thuinagamor would look at her, knowing that she was so far above him it was a dream that he would never wake from. But he decided that every day he would try and say something, try and attract her attention. And one day, he made a necklace full of shells, all the colours of the rainbow, on a twine as beautiful as sunset. He waited for Morthid to come to the ocean's edge, and as he was pulling his boat ashore, he placed the necklace in her hand. She grabbed it and looked at him. Like two lovers who had not met for many, many years. They felt the connection. He asked her to marry him there on the beach. She said they would need her father's permission. They walked over the dunes back into the town, bustling. Everywhere people coming and going. One of the biggest towns in South Wales. 
and walked up to the great hall where her father lived. There Llwynogamor and Morvid stood in front of her great father. And there he asked for her hand in marriage. Her father laughed and laughed and laughed and ordered the Llwynog thrown from his door until he rolled in the dust of the street. You will not marry my daughter, he said to him. A mere fisherman from the sea with no two pennies to rub together. Go from here. Go from here now. Llwynog walked away into the hills. He thought of a way that he could get rich, thought of a way he could return a lord of the land in order to marry the woman he really loved. Days turned into weeks, weeks turned into months, months turned to a whole year. Still, he was as poor as the day he left. Until one day, sat on a hill overlooking the village, he saw a horse and a cart coming past. He immediately knew that this was the horse, and this was the cart of the rent collector. A dark deed enters his mind, and Flynog rushed down the hill. With his fishing knife in his hand, he waited for the cart to come round the corner. And there, with a black mind, he jumped out and stabbed the rent collector in the back. He fell down with a scream. He took all the money from the cart, hid the body, and returned to the village in new, found clothes. A rich man. He knocked on the door of the Lord's house. And again, asked for the hand of his daughter in marriage. Now he was the wealthiest man in all of Kemphig. Of course, Robin Corn agreed, and they were to be married in the church at the centre of the town at the height of midsummer. That day was a day long remembered in the town. The church bells rang, the people cheered, but just as they had made their vows... A sudden breeze, a wind, swept through the town and brushed open the door. A voice cried out across the wind, an unearthly muttering. Vengeance is coming. Soon it will be here. Nine generations will pass and all will shed a tear. A chill swept through everyone at the church that day, but it was soon forgotten. Morvith and Llwynog lived a happy life, the bangle always on her arm, the curse almost forgotten. Days passed, weeks passed, years passed. They had children, their children had children, till eventually she grew old. But he never aged a day, until one day, many years later, on a dark day at the height of winter, Morvith grew ill and died. Heartbroken, Tluinog placed her body in a boat and pushed it far out to sea. As the sun set in the distance, so was she last seen bobbing upon the waves. He returned to the village, heartbroken. Years passed. For every ten years, he aged a year. More generations passed. 
hundreds of years. And eventually, after seven, eight generations, his body became broken and he would just sit alone in his old house at the centre of the village, watching the people pass day after day. And then, on the darkest day of all, nine generations after his wedding, that very day, the sky grew black, the winds grew strong, and something evil swept through the land. The voice said, swirling on the breeze. It swooped through the village. First, small bits of sand swimming around the air. Then more falling from the sky like snow. And then the waves came, splashing over the dunes and turning them all to rivers. The village started to sink, drowned, falling beneath the waters and the sand. The people started to run, screaming into the hills. First, the walls collapsed as the water soared in from the sea. And Llwynogamor sat alone in his house as the water ran under the door. Deeper it got, until his bed, till his chairs, till all his furniture started to float, and he knew the end was nigh. People gathered miles around on high hills and watched as the village sank beneath the sand underneath the waves it became the pool of Kenfig and the sand dunes surrounding it the church tower was high above the water for many a year until it too sunk into oblivion many years later the tale was forgotten the village was gone, and the story of Llwynog Amor and his love Morvith consigned to the books of storytellers and scops. But here I am, on the edge of Pultakemfig, and I heard the church bells ring. What? Look, over there. A figure walking after the pool. He must be a fisherman. I can barely see him. He is heading... heading towards Scare. Hey! Hey! Excuse me! I can't make him out in the gloom. I'd better go. I'd better run back. I don't want him waking Beth and not at this time. We don't know what will happen. Quickly, let's go. I wonder where Rowan has gone. It's not like him to wander off without saying anything. Suppose I'll start packing our stuff. The sun is starting to rise and hopefully we can get back to the Heroes. There's a boat on the lake. It must be brave at this hour. Hang on. That looks like the Heerreith. 
as though in taking the boat out on the water. Is he leaving me here? Owen! Where are you going? Come back! Owen! I'm here! Hey! Stop! It's okay! I was just coming back up to the house. What's the matter? Well, uh, the hair ice! Look at the lake! Somebody's taking the hair ice! You're right. It's moving out towards the sea. It's him. The man I saw. I thought he was heading to the house, but he must have doubled back towards the boat. What man? What are you talking about? Well, what did he look like? He was like nothing I'd seen before. Ragged and full of reeds. A shambling, shuffling walk. He just came out of the lake. So who is he? I don't know. But he looked like... Looked like what? He looked like... The spectre of the sea.